0: Chapter 11 of Saint Rose of Lima, the Flower of the New World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Saint Rose of Lima, the Flower of the New World, by Florence Mary Capes. Chapter 11 how heavenly and divine visitants frequented her cell and how she was mystically espoused to christ blessed are the clean of heart for they shall see god st matthew chapter five verse eight it is a relief to put aside the thought of roses suffering and turn to that side of her life which not only supported her through them but gave her, even here below, some little share in the joys and glories of the Saviour for whose love she inflicted and endured them. At the same time, her spiritual happiness is far more difficult to write of than her mortifications or her labours, for it belongs to that mystical ground which demands the unshod feet of wondering reverence for venturing on it. Her penances, indeed, and her relentless self-sacrifice compel our respectful astonishment at her own extraordinary correspondence with grace but when we come to god's return for her deeds of love heaven itself seems to open before our awe-struck gaze over the little spot that made her earthly home if there is hardly another saint in the calendar whose calling was to such extraordinary suffering so there seem to have been scarcely any who enjoyed such marvelous privileges of sensible heavenly favors the high inward graces that came to compensate her after the terrible inward darkness and her ecstasies raptures and incessant union with god in prayer we have spoken of these doubtless were the rewards of her courage in fighting temptation and possessing her soul in patience through all spiritual trials but god was pleased to grant rose with great liberality another kind of favour which we cannot but believe to have been his special reward for her unsparing bodily penances and labours and when we see her in company with the human companions of her order or even the most holy of her spiritual guides we only see her with the lowest and humblest rank of visitors in her cell The story has been given of Our Lady's condescension in coming to waken her son's handmaid, and of many other proofs of love that she had given her from her early days. But it still remains to be told that, after Rose had taken to her cell for some little time, the visits of the Mother of God in visible form were sometimes almost daily, and that she helped and inwardly instructed her in many wonderful ways another frequent companion of the maidens from the time of her receiving the dominican habit was her own holy mother and mistress saint catherine came to her in vision constantly held long conferences with her on heavenly things treated her with the closest intimacy and made herself in every way her young disciples adviser and friend this wonderful intercourse with her model is said at times to have produced a likeness of feature to her in saint rose which was noticed by her friends the appearance of saint catherine as represented in her portraits having been apparently well known in lima many witnesses deposed to this fact after our saints death it is a thing we have heard of in many saints histories that they were able to see and converse with their guardian angels Owing to their perfect vanquishing of that flesh which comes between the ordinary mortal and the spirit who stands ever beside him. Considering the marvellous purity that belonged to Rose of St. Mary, it is no wonder that she had this privilege, and her familiarity with her angel was very great indeed. She is said to have talked with him constantly, and he to have attended on her and done her bidding almost like a servant. More than once, when she was seriously ill, he brought her the necessary remedies miraculously and at unheard-of hours. He would open the garden gate for her at night, so that she could get into the house when her mother sometimes forgot to fetch her. He was seen once by an accidental onlooker standing by Rose's side at her cell window to contemplate the starry heavens, both of them shining more brilliantly than the stars themselves and in innumerable ways acted through life as her comrade and helper but the glory and beauty of even such visitants as these pale before the one of whose familiar intercourse with the holy maid we hear most this was no other than our lord himself who deigned perpetually to appear to her in the most touching form of his divine infancy he has done this we know to saint Antony and other saints but his visits to rose of lima have a character of tender familiarity and brightness and of loving frequency as if the holy child could hardly keep away from that childlike soul which seems quite unique these visible presences of the infant jesus appear to have begun almost simultaneously with her hermitage life and to have gradually increased until they became a nearly everyday occurrence. He came to her on all occasions, when she was reading, especially when she kissed the holy name in her book, which she often did from pure love, and which so pleased the child Jesus, that he would appear with his little hand placed on the leaves, and would then honor Rose with loving childish caresses. When she was praying, in her garden, and above all, when she was at her needlework, Then he would place himself on a cushion at her side while she sat at the embroidery frame, and telling her that, as she was all his, he would be all hers, would so fill her heart with heavenly joy that she became lost in contemplation, but nevertheless went on sewing or embroidering as regularly as if she was thinking of nothing else. The divine infant not only came to her when at home or alone but more than once let himself be seen by her side in other people's houses by a third person generally a child either standing by her side or walking hand in hand with her and all glorious with light one beautiful story is told of how the holy child came to her when she was very ill with a terrible sore throat and playfully challenged her to some mysterious game of skill which rose one she asked for the cure of her throat as a prize but after granting this her divine child visitor claimed his revenge and in the second supernatural contest the saint lost and immediately all the pain of her throat returned then her eyes were opened to understand that the meaning of the mystic game was that we win much more for god by lovingly bearing pain than by asking him to take it away and she prayed not again to have her throat cured the frequency of these divine condescensions brought out a poetic faculty latent in rose she grew at last so certainly to expect the gracious infants visits at a regular hour of the day that if he sometimes did not appear she felt a holy impatience or anxiety to which she often gave vent in pathetic reproachful or imploring verse once she was heard by some friends outside her cell singing these improvised reproaches to a plaintive air and another time a devout woman who was standing near the hermitage just when rose expected the holy child's daily visit heard her distinctly bidding her guardian angel go and warn our lord that the hour for his coming had passed in rhythmic language of which we give here a rough paraphrase and which the maiden intoned to a kind of sweet melancholy chant saint rose's message to the infant saviour sent by her guardian angel fly o swift messenger fly to our lord o haste to our master adored ask why he delays and remains far from our side tell him i cannot live parted from him my life then no happiness knows in him only my heart can repose or pleasure can find fly noble messenger fly tell him when he is not here i languish alone tell him his rose must her sorrow bemoan till the moment when he shall return footnote this rhythm is a transcription of st rose's poem taken from m. de Bussier's version page 272 of his life and is as much like it as english can be like french end of footnote such favors as these recorded are what make people sometimes say that it is very well to talk of the trials and struggles of saints and the wonder of their victories but how could they help persevering when they had such help and consolation straight from heaven and on this idea the critics base an envy of the saints which takes the form of declaring it impossible to feel any very cordial admiration for them still less to take them as encouraging models in their own temptation and difficulties this sort of envy if we examine it we shall see to be founded on a false notion that while the saints visions and ecstasies caused them intense happiness their troubles and combats were in fact unreal in short we misunderstand the chosen ones of god because we forget or do not realize that they were nothing but weak human beings of flesh and blood like ourselves and won these privileges that we envy by an actual fight with sensuality and a perseverance in intense bodily and mental suffering that ought to make us blush for our love of ease if we consider it honestly true these visits of the infant jesus to rose of lima must have filled her spiritually with a joy and courage inexpressible in human words and which gave wings to her soul that it might fly over obstacles but then if he came to her thus familiarly how did he find her when he came was it in comfort in purple and fine linen on soft couches and at full leisure after delicately served repasts or again with impassable body intellect untrammelled by the flesh spirit and heart free to enjoy his presence in absence of all earthly cares he found her with body smarting and sore all over from penance strength so exhausted with labor that the drops of sweat stood on her brow as she worked without stopping for her family's living and with bright words and smiles forcing themselves through faintness hunger and thirst which made it a keen effort to move her parched lips at all moreover these conditions were not temporary or occasional they had been those of her whole life in ever-increasing degree they were not suspended while the holy infant conversed with her and they were brought about by no desire for human sympathy or approval but by the love of god and her neighbour in its purest form let us steadily consider such facts as these before we envy or cavil at the sensible consolations of the saints Who are raised on our altars but we have yet to tell of the crowning grace that was to bestow upon rose her most perfect likeness to her seraphic model the story of saint catherine's heavenly espousals is well known and of that mystic ring invisible to all but herself which her divine spouse placed on her finger in memory of them her humble follower was destined for the same honor though she had not presumed to dream of wishing for still less of expecting such a thing about this great event of the saints life her biographers are as tantalizing as on some other points in respect to the exact date of it which is nowhere given we can only gather that it must have been about five or six years before her death perhaps sooner that certain supernatural intimations of something wonderful to come though at first she knew not what were vouchsafed to her. Two of these previsions, as well as the manner of the actual divine espousals, are so beautifully told by M. de Bussiere that we will once more quote him verbally. One day, he says, Rose was employed in needlework with some devout girl companions when she saw a black and white butterfly, like the one that had fluttered round her before she took the Dominican habit, appear again. The mysterious insect, after hovering for some time around her, settled on her left side, where it began to flutter its wings and make movements like a bee gathering honey. Rosa's companions watched the butterfly in silence. At last it flew away, and then they wonderingly beheld a heart perfectly traced on Rosa's habit, and at the same time the latter heard a gentle inward voice say, give me thy heart the words pierced to the very depth of her soul still she did not grasp their meaning some time after rose being asleep saw in a dream a man of indescribable beauty and majesty clothed like a sculptor and carrying the tools of his art it seemed to the maiden in her dream that this man was going on a journey and that before starting he had come to demand her heart and hand and though the very notion of marriage had never before so much as crossed her mind in a dream she now felt as if a union with this mysterious stranger would be an untold happiness and gave him instantly an affirmative answer now the stranger was none other than our lord himself as he then made known to rose at the same time showing her some blocks of marble which she was to carve into shape in his absence and telling her that he would meanwhile provide for her family so that she need not spend her time in earning for them by and by but in the same dream the master seemed to have come back from his journey and to find her with the task he had set her unfinished for which she excused herself by saying that as being a woman she knew no art but that of the needle she had not been able to work in marble then the betrothed of her vision said kindly do not fancy my beloved that you are the first of your sex to whom i have given such a task look and judge for yourself then the sculptor seemed to open a door and rose saw within a vast studio full of marble blocks which a crowd of maidens armed with chisels hammers and other tools were carving and polishing whilst they moistened them with their tears notwithstanding their dusty work these maidens were all clothed in rich and beautiful garments like guests at a great feast or wedding the saint not living in the nineteenth century thought this a strangely unfeminine occupation but her dream then went on to reveal to her that the chiseling of marble was an admirable image of the sufferings efforts and tears that the attainment of every virtue must cost the soul while she was watching the workers she suddenly seemed to find her white habit and black veil of saint dominic changed for a magnificent robe of gold brocade ornamented with pearls and various sorts of precious stones soon after this she woke her heart filled with supernatural joy and comfort but even yet not foreseeing what was to happen to her a few days later it was palm sunday and rose was in the rosary chapel with the other sisters of the third order who had places there together the sacristan who according to the custom of that church was distributing the palms to both clergy and laity overlooked rose so that she alone among her companions remained empty-handed she was exceedingly upset at this and began to think that perhaps god had sent her the deprivation in punishment of her sins however she walked in the procession as devoutly as usual and came back to her customary place in the chapel then lovingly raising her eyes to her favourite statue of the blessed virgin she humbly accused herself with tears of having perhaps too ardently desired a palm-branch then god once more worked a miracle by the image it became animated and smiled down on rose with even more sweetness than before then the saint forgot all her trouble and cried out full of happiness o most loving lady henceforth i will never take a palm-branch from human hands because you will give me one o palm of cadiz that will never fade as she uttered these words she saw mary turn her eyes towards the holy infant in her arms as if to ask him a favor and then look down on her again with increased tenderness whilst the little jesus too gave her a most sweet smile her heart became filled to overflowing with supernatural joy that penetrated her whole being while she felt as if quite separated from earth and called by the choir of seraphim then the image of the child jesus became more and more living in appearance and at last distinctly pronounced the words rose of my heart be my spouse at first the holy maiden could not speak being almost crushed by the sense of her own unworthiness she prostrated in the dust and when at last she got back her speech, cried out, O Lord, King of glory, I am thy servant, and the last of thy slaves. I belong to thee, and will have none but thee. I will be eternally faithful to thee, and I long to die for thee. Her love and humility, overpowering her at sight of the Lord's condescension, prevented her saying more. But she heard the virgin mother say softly, O my Rose, you know and understand the favour my Son has done you. Such is the story of how the flower of the new world was mystically espoused to the master of her soul. She, too, like St. Catherine, afterwards wore a ring in memory of the espousals, but in her case it was one that she placed herself on her finger, to remind herself always of the signal grace bestowed on her she commissioned her favorite brother to get it for her though without telling him why ferdinand without asking any questions received a strange inspiration about it for when his sister asked him to think of an inscription to put inside the ring he suddenly took his pen and wrote rose of my heart be my spouse to the saints great joy this ring had another miracle worked for its sake for rose having persuaded the father sacristan at her favorite church to put it inside the tabernacle for a little while that it might there get a special consecration before she wore it the circlet afterwards mysteriously returned to her finger in her mother's presence without her having the least idea who had placed it there after her death the ring worked a miracle of great beauty but the story of it is too long for insertion here the favors granted to rose of saint mary by our lord when this supreme honor had been conferred on her in sensible appearances and communications were even more marvelous and frequent than before many instances of her divine spouse's condescension after he had marked his love of her pure soul in this special way are recorded such as how he once let her find the floor of her hermitage, covered with magnificent roses in midwinter, appearing to her himself with his immaculate mother, in his favorite form of a child. Then, as Rose hastened to gather up all the most beautiful of the roses to present to him in her scapular, he told her to choose out one only, and give it to him. And when she tremblingly obeyed, he said lovingly, you are this rose which i shall take care of and keep fresh myself do what you like with the rest another time her saviour granted the saint a favour of a similar kind to one that he had conferred on saint catherine feeling so much exhausted one night that she hardly knew how to get through it without taking some food but unwilling to do this because she was to communicate in the morning rose prayed for help Then our Lord came in vision to her, and let her take from the wound in His divine side a supernatural draught, which refreshed and strengthened her, as no material food could have done, so that she felt power revive in her whole body, and was able to make her communion as she wished. But of all the many touching stories told for us of Christ's intercourse with this favored spouse, perhaps the most beautiful is the following. Which is the last we can find space for among the many flowers that the young hermit cultivated in her garden and in which she took special delight was a sort called Crown Imperial, which flourished with unusual luxuriance and beauty of colour in her own plot of ground. now, in a certain summer when these flowers were doing remarkably well, Rose was greatly rejoiced because she intended them for the quarante and she was watching their progress as that devotion came near with keen interest one morning going to water them she found the whole bed destroyed all the plants pulled up crushed and withered she knew not how sadly she turned away full of grief at her disappointment but as she turned behold jesus her spouse stood there and she heard him say Why this sadness, my child? Am I not dearer to you than all flowers on earth? I wish to be your imperial crown, and therefore I destroyed those that you had been so cherishing in your garden. Rose, you are my flower. Henceforth let me be the only flower of your heart. Verily and indeed, the Lord our God is a jealous God, where the hearts of his specially chosen ones are concerned, when a saint dare not love even a flower overmuch, lest his interests should suffer. End of chapter 11.